Welcome to Team Possible, led by local cheerleader and international crime fighter, Kim Possible. I, too, am one of man's latest and greatest means of communication. Smart one. Karibuni. I am Warden Wilson Mutua, and I am happy to welcome you to Harambe Wildlife Reserve. And now, Simba, it is time for you to take your rightful place in the circle. The circle of life. W my friend, and welcome to the WW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangello, and this is show number 565, and I'm here once again, not only to help you have the best vacation experience when you go to the parks, but I also want to bring you a little bit of that Disney magic wherever you are, not just with the podcast, but with my live video broadcast on Facebook every Wednesday night blog, special events, books, audio tours, and more. Whether you are a first-time visitor to the parks or you've been hundreds of times, if you are planning your first vacation or love the history, details, secrets, and stories, there's something here for you because each week I'm going to take you from the parks to the screens and everything in between. If you are a new listener, thank you and welcome. Please go back and check out some or all the past episodes for interviews, top tens, reviews, and more. You can subscribe to the podcast in iTunes and find everything else over at www.radio.com. So this week, we're going to pick up where we left off on show 561 and continue looking at some of the many little things we miss in Walt Disney World. From characters to activities and locations to moments, there are so many things we've experienced over the years and lost along the way. So we're going to continue on our very sentimental and fun journey in this Wayback Machine as we visit some of our favorite little, and maybe not so little things we've lost in Walt Disney World. I'll then have the answer to our last Walt Disney World trivia question of the week, and I'll pose a new challenge for your chance to win a Disney prize package. Then stay tuned to the end of the show. I'll have more information about not just upcoming WWE Radio events, meets of the month in Walt Disney World and in Disneyland, next week's special WWE Radio live show my Momentum Weekend Workshop in Walt Disney World, your voicemails and more. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WW Radio Show. ago on show 561 little timmy foster and i began to talk about the top 10 little things we miss from walt disney world and for the first time in 15 plus years of doing the show it was part one because little did we know that the little things we miss would elicit such a uh, an emotional nostalgic reaction not just from me and from little Timmy Foster but from you the listeners 
from emails to comments to messages to tweets about this episode, it did exactly what I hoped it would do, which would either refresh your recollection, touch your heart, or maybe bring to light some things in Walt Disney World that you may have forgotten about or never experienced at all. And so this week, we are going to continue with our open quote, quote, close quote, top 10-ish little things we miss from Walt Disney World. And in the couple of weeks that have passed since we recorded that episode, little Timmy Foster, you know I always miss you, brother. Thank you for coming back and doing this again. Well, thank you, my friend. It's been a long, long time. So it's interesting because before we recorded that episode and as we started recording, we talked about how we just sort of brain dumped some things on the list. But it was interesting how the conversation went and the discussion deeper into those places, those peoples, those characters and things evolved so much so that we felt that we needed to not just rush through a list of honorable mentions, because I think there's still some I know on my list that I feel really are worthy of discussing either because I want to maybe share personal stories or hopefully, like we did in the first one, bring back some memories from people who may have experienced but forgotten them. But of course, you are my friend and my guest, and I would love and appreciate for you to continue with your list first. Oh, great. So I'm going to be the one to screw up first. Exactly. This is great. So full confession. We talked about that. And by the way, sport. Well, no, not spoiler teaser. Big announcement coming later. But because of that big announcement and as busy as I've been, this will make sense. Everybody later. As we I'm get hoping it show. will, because right now I'm already you're right 30 now, seconds I'm in and I'm confused. Blathering. But uh <clears throat> We were we were talking about before this started. I'm going to let the cat out of the bag. You might not want to fess up this, but uh, looking at my notes, I have. And well, because we were we we were uh, going off in so many directions, inspired by what the others said. But oh wait, I remember that one, and we went off on all these tangents. My list, like yours, I think you said, I've got things circled, crossed out, checked. And I honestly don't exactly remember what we did before, but uh, so if uh, forgive me, people, if I repeat myself, but um, I think I'm good. I think I know what uh, I did not talk about, and I know, I know what's going to happen. We're going to talk, and I'm going to. We're both going to think of ones that weren't even on our list the first time around, which will lead to part three and part four and all that kind of stuff. It's just, uh, it should be a good time. But I'm going to start with one. I'm. Uh, did I talk about fast? You, I have never heard such a preface to actually getting to one. <laughs> Clearly, you're stalling for I, time. I'm trying to claw, no, I'm trying to for when I start out with. Uh, so remember those fast passes, Lou, and you go, "Yo, dude, you talked about that on the last show." So remember fast passes, Lou. You talked about that one on the last. No, I, you, I don't think that you did. Go ahead. <laughs> All right, so I'll start with that one. So. Uh, yes, fast passes. Uh, and this is a weird, this is a, a a weird one. Like I think a few of our last ones were, uh, what I'm talking about specifically are the paper fast passes, the kiosks we ran to as we entered the park 
and race to uh, Test Track or Buzz Lightyear, uh, passes in hand, paper tickets in hand to get those coveted fast pass tickets. Now, in this and long before this is before magic bands and making your fast pass reservations well ahead of time. And uh, I, when I was trying to think of things I missed, that came in my mind. And it's, it was weird. It's not because I preferred them to how we do them today, because today it's a lot more convenient. It's, and there's a lot to be said for not having to race to Toy Story Mania and hoping against all hope that there were any fast passes left in that day. But um, I, to me, I guess it's more like as things go digital uh, in every uh, form of media, there was just something tangible about that little piece of paper, that little slip that had your time on it. And that whole, uh, it, it kind of became a ritual more or less, of going to get the fast passes and telling your family, feeling like the hero, like, family, give me your tickets. You stay here. I'll take care of this. Racing off, getting them coming back and all that stuff. Um, and then things and things happened back then. We talked about uh, this incident before on our shows about magical – I forget what the topic was, but uh, – Having those paper fast passes uh, did give you that opportunity to pay it, pay that magic forward. And I told the story about how we were at Test Track. We had fast passes, didn't want to use them. They ran out and we gave them to someone who could use them. Um, can't do that so much with your magic bands and everything being online and stuff. So there's a little element of that, a little element of, uh, you know, I said the ritual of going and getting them and you know again it wasn't better it was just the first way we did it and uh i remember the as we first the first time we did do it that was just cool you could do it in the first place oh my god we can get a pass for later in the day we don't have to wait in line so the the i guess there was a novelty of it the nostalgia of it so um paper fast passes it's where it's at and i think the kids would dig them (laughs) so i agree with you for Two reasons. One, not because of the efficiency of the paper fast pass system, because you did. You had to go crossing back and forth from, you know, the park to get a fast pass to hit a different attraction. The reasons why I miss them and and was also on my list is very much part of what you said, which is one, the ability or lack of ability now to pay it forward. And what I mean was you would maybe at the end of the day or before you were leaving, if you had the ability to get additional fast passes, I would always try and get some and then give them to guests who were just going in, into the line. Like if I wasn't going to use them, why would I not want to help another guest? Because the way it worked is you would go to a kiosk at the attraction. You would get a fast, a paper fast pass that would have a return time assigned to it and then you could obviously do other things in until that return time opened up that one hour window opened up you could actually go and get a second fast pass as soon as the return time for the first past fast pass passed or after two hours i think like whichever one came first 
The other reason why I miss it and watch what I'm going to do here because I'm going to double up is All much right. like the Disney dollars because it, there was also a collectible aspect to it as well. You could either try and amass a collection of all of the paper fast passes from all of the fast pass attractions. And because the date was on it, there was also a way to sort of like your park ticket or like your room ticket or whatever. You had that that date locked in. So if you put it into a scrapbook, you can say, oh, you know, Monday, January 15th, 1986. Well, that's too early. 2006, <laughs> we, we were in Magic Kingdom and we did this, this, and, and let's try and collect all the fast pass tickets from Disney World and Disneyland. Those are the th- those are the reasons why that I miss it. Other than you know, again, it wasn't for the efficiency of the system; it was the additional things you could do with it. And I guess it ended around 2014 or so, somewhere around. And there. I didn't know what to do with myself when that happened. It took me a while to figure out the, techn- actually, the technology really, really- of, of, is confusing to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this interweb thing. I don't know. So. You reminded me, though, I, I, I don't know where this went to, uh, the, the collectible thing. One of my uh, prized possessions for the longest time sitting on my desk next to my computer was uh, an Expedition Everest Fast Pass. And the real quick story was, you can still do this now, so this isn't something that went away, but it was the old... Uh, double up the attraction fast pass move or you got a fast pass <laughs> which you can still do early in the day uh or later in the day uh at a point where the park wasn't quite as crowded so you would go and if the line wasn't that long in this case forever i went in early in the morning and the line hadn't gotten big yet it was only like 20 minutes or so and this was my fast pass window so it was go in the regular standby line not going to wait too long do the ride get off use your fast pass loop on again so i had that i was all ready to go went on the first time you probably see where this story ends since i scream like a little child on small world once was enough so i i (laughs) i slowly limped out of animal kingdom with my fast pass though and i kept you know obviously kept it and put it on my table as a reminder of uh that's clearly not an attraction meant for you little Timmy Foster. So, so yeah, there's there's that part of it too. But, so, but you were the one collecting all the fast passes, so I could never get one. Is that yeah, what it's it's my fault. Uh, but I'm going to make up for it. I'm going to make yeah. up for it with my very first top ten on our uh, part two of the first yeah. top ten. I, I'm going to mm-hmm. transition away from the fast passes, and mm-hmm. I will almost guarantee. If this does not hit you in all of the feels, then we really need to re-examine our relationship. Because I am going to take you to Epcot. Are you talking to me or the I'm, audience? I'm talking to you, specifically. All right. Okay. Um, because I, I trust in our friend, the listener, that is is there is no go with me on this. Because okay. I'm going to take you to Epcot Center. I'm going to take you back to 1983, a year after the park opened, when a little attraction called Journey into Imagination opened its doors. It was at that time, at that moment, we were introduced to unique, remarkable, and much-beloved characters, Dreamfinder and Figment. Now, what I miss 
yes, is the attraction, but we said we're not going to talk about attractions. Yes. What I did. really miss are the walk around characters of Dreamfinder and Figment. You used to be able to go outside the attraction near the exit, and there you would find Figment. Uh, there you would find Dreamfinder walking around with Figment in his arm. You could meet Dreamfinder. You could talk to Dreamfinder. Figment was always very fun and very playful. I remember he would like pull hats off of guests and you know be very sort of playful in his interactions. If you actually go back to speaking of going back, if you go back to show number thirty four which was 12 years ago. Yikes. (laughs) I actually interviewed Ron Schneider, who not only gave Dreamfinder his voice in parts of the attraction, but he was also the very first walk-around character ever in Epcot Center as Dreamfinder. And he shares stories of not just helping to create the attraction, but really the fun that he had interacting with guests and he was unique not just in where he was but in the types of interactions that he has because remember these characters were not ones that we saw on screen that were brought to life in three dimension in magic kingdom these were ones that were created specifically for epcot and that was their home and i loved i loved what dreamfinder and figment represented and the ability to meet and take pictures and talk with them outside. I will tell you, as we approach the anniversary of Magic King, uh, Walt Disney World and Epcot Center, and with some of the changes that are coming in October in terms of this sense of nostalgia, I, I maybe it's just little Lou Mangello wishing in his sentimental heart of hearts I would not be surprised, little Timmy Foster, if Dreamfinder and Figment, well, Figment has, has really sort of become almost the unofficial mascot again of Epcot Center. I would not be surprised, especially because of the recent Figment comic book, to maybe see a, a new iteration of the Dreamfinder character. And, and I would love to see him, the both of them, as walk-around characters in the parks. That would be awesome. See, I so want to talk about the f- original, well, the the first imagination incarnation that I know of. But we weren't going to talk. You about can't it. talk about that. Plus, if you do, then you got to talk about the second iteration, Journey into Your Imagination, oy, which was not great. <laughs> it was not great, <laughs> and it led to the I, death. I- it killed Dreamfinder. So when it opened in. Uh, 98 it's really what killed Dreamfinder the walk around character and in the attraction it's still too soon move on so I can't say Did, that no. my next item on my list that incarnation of... <laughs> I talk about the second floor or did we talk about that? You can, right? so you can absolutely talk about the second floor. Well, I'm not going to, like. that's not on my list. So oh. hmm. you, <laughs> you're so well, feisty. No. All right. I'll, I will talk about it. Go wherever so you want. Uh, now, this is going to be hard. You, you're going to have to fill in a lot of blanks here because. Um, <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, no, we will talk about that. So uh, the original imagination, there was that second component to it. Well, that second component is still there in lesser form. But once upon a time, uh, 
you know, maybe I should let you handle this because all I remember is rainbow tunnel <laughs> and pin table. And that's really all I remember. So, OK, let me, me let me help you out. Second floor Let's, was why don't we why don't we call it what it is, which was the old image is, works. Vision, that's right. That's right. Uh, you know what? I'm going to skip mine. I'm going to I'm not I'm tabling that one because I'm going to let you talk back to it. Because, well, to me, it was it it was a uh, it was there. <laughs> but it wasn't too long before it had gone away. So I, I again, I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I don't. So I don't. Um, you know what? I, I'm going to cheat and say that's my next one. Piggyback off that, Lou Mangiello. Well, so let's talk about it then. So let's talk about ImageWorks because it. Look, I will give you the benefit of doubt because it was a long time ago, right? So if you don't remember the original incarnation of the Journey into Imagination Pavilion, there was the second level, which is currently the Disney Vacation Club Lounge. Which where, is very beautiful, by the way. Which is know. lovely, but I but. will tell you it's bittersweet to me because yeah. I loved Imageworks, and I remember my parents, God bless them, making them, dragging them, asking them. They never seemed to mind going upstairs for what seemed like hours. I remember the pin table and how fascinating it was, yeah. but the idea was... You were inspired by the attraction to expand and explore the limits of your imaginations. And you could actually do that in an interactive environment upstairs with things like Dreamfinder's School of Drama, right? Do you remember that? Where you can uh, went up against that the, the, uh, a green screen and act in oh, yeah. different types of – there was like a, an astronaut one and a um, uh, like a Western one. It was like Sage – it was like – the deputies and sagebrush Sam or something like that. You could also conduct an orchestra by waving your hands at the electronic philharmonic. I think a lot of people remember the um, the tunnel, the, the rainbow yeah. tunnel that you could walk through. So there was a ton of different exhibits there. There was the, um, oh God, what was the other one? There was like, oh, it was, it was like the magic, it was like the magic palette, I think, where you could paint pictures of, Figment and Dreamfinder using a touchscreen and like a, a pen. Again, this is 1983, so this is cutting edge technology. <laughs> there was the pin table. There was a. Um, there was also that the sensor area that had like a digital wall and the stepping tones, which were there until very very recently. There were a, there were probably eight or nine different areas that you could go to. Um, the area was was open and expansive and interact with all these things that, again, for the time were very much cutting edge and were fascinating to a, a relatively young Lou Mangiello. I honestly will tell you I was very, very sad to see that area go away. I remember the Rainbow Tunnel um, very, very well. Um, but it, the the tough thing about it, too, is as technology advances so rapidly, it's hard to keep something like that, not just updated, but but unique in terms of what you can experience there versus anywhere else. Yeah, I remember, um, I, for me, the memory, it's like, uh, I remember last time I talked about Kid Cot and, and back when you did crafts and things like that. And um, to me that, that was special because of my experiences of doing that with my daughter. And this, 
it's very much the same with imagination. It was, I mean, I would probably go up if it were there today, I would still go up and spend hours there. We both would, we'd make faces on the pin table and all that kind of stuff. But it was, it was just as much, not more so about being there with my daughter and then, you know, anybody else who was there and able to experience with their kids. Cause to you, it was cool and fun too, but more so it was just, so magical just to see your child having fun and like you spending they would spend hours there if they could you know mm -hmm. there was this and obviously today there's still image works and things to do but um uh i'm, try, I'm trying not to diss what's there today because it is cool but um and there's fun things to do but i i i sense more today it's more an area you kind of walk through on the way out, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, you walk through, there's the gift shop and then, then you're out the door and you see some people staying and doing some things. And I, and I'll stay some times and, you know, make silly figment characters and, and things like that. But when it was upstairs, it was like another attraction, like, there were two attractions in that building. It wasn't just this is you would spend more time in the post show than you would the actual attraction. Yeah. And it wasn't on the way out. This was like I, I remember uh, the imagination attraction. It was very cool and awesome. And we talked about that. And that's a whole other topic. But it, it was just as much. Let's go because we get to go upstairs and play for and all this cool stuff right. like and go through the rainbow tunnel, which I remember resurfaced somewhere. It was up there for a long time before they ended up clearing out that space for um, the Disney it, vacation. My memory life. might be wrong. Was it somewhere else for a time, like in Inventions or something? Not that I recall, you know, but I, I could be wrong. But yeah, but but regardless of that, I, I remember going up there, and it was that was like a whole other attraction, um, unlike today, which you know I said swore the on the way out post shows. So it was it was just fun, like being with your in my case, my daughter or anyone else is seeing with their kids and um, watching them just have fun. And even with simple things, like you said, now that it's all tech, there's a lot of technology with uh, the stuff that's there in ImageWorks today. Um, but even the simple, that pin table we've mentioned a million times, that that's just cool, you know, and it's, it was so, but because it was so huge too, you're used to little tiny ones, but um yeah, so it's 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 those those memories. All right, so listen, I, I have a lot really of things. I, this, this is what I'm going to do. I, I have a lot of things on my list, and there's no I way want, we're going to do a part three. I'm going to I'm going to turn my my accelerator on a little bit and speed through a few of these. But I am going to stay in the same vein of where I began to sort of be right. a little consistent. Yeah. And again, I want to take you back in time to 1971 and. It is a character like Dreamfinder and Figment who were there early on, disappeared for a while, and came back again. I love how Disney pays attention to the sense of nostalgia and really what guests both knew and those of us who have a, a sentimental attachment to the past want. Uh, because although this character disappeared in 1986, he resurfaced a number of years ago. And welcome back, you sweet, little, delicious orange bird. 
So if you remember when the Sunshine Tree Terrace in Magic Kingdom was sponsored by the Florida Citrus Growers, who were the sponsors for the, the Tiki Room, they Disney created this little orange bird character who was not just the mascot, but was also a walk-around character. If you go back to show 250 back in November of 2011, we do a very deep dive into the history of the Orange Bird, the Sherman Brothers song, why Anita Bryant was part of the attraction and eventually went away as well, and that recent resurgence that came back probably around that same time. Um, So Little Orange Bird, I remember seeing the walk-around character. Was sad to see him go. Love the fact that he has been brought back, but he is a little thing that I miss from old Walt Disney World. Love that orange bird. <laughs> go ahead. You're next. Let's go pick up the pace, boy. You said you were rapid firing through like six. No, I mean, I was going to go rapid fire like through my. Oh, my yeah. All right. You're telling me to keep it short, kiddo. <laughs> Contemporary. Did I talk about that last time? I don't care. Cause I'm talking <laughs> about it again real quick. So uh, in my era of uh, early 90s. Concourse Steakhouse. Mm. Miss it. Nothing against the Contempo Cafe. Awesome desserts. But the Concourse Steakhouse, that was probably one of the first restaurants we ate at. And it was just so it was so contemporary. It was it, everything that was about the contemporary resort was there. It was just the round booths and the monorail going over your head. The cream spinach. I know I've mentioned that before because that I've got I know you've mentioned lots before. of cream spinach sent to me over the years. Thank you. Um, and uh, the other part that that whole contemporary fourth floor experience, not just the concourse, but now we're Fantasia. Uh, the gift store is back when that was just an open expanse and there was really nothing mm-hmm. there. Um, the only thing I remember being there was a giant uh, replica of the four park snow globe at one point, but it was just empty. It was quiet. You could just sit and relax and look at the glass windows on one side or the Mary Blair mural on the other side, go shopping. Now it's, you know, hustle and bustle and lots of shopping and lots of stores and stuff like that. But um, it was just that whole f- fourth floor was just so Tomorrowland contemporary, retro futuristic. And um, and it, it might be just my memory. That's the first, that's how it was when I was first there. So that's how I remember it. So boom. I remember it as well. I remember that you could also go, even though it was called the Steakhouse, it was actually the only restaurant at the Contemporary that was open for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, Yeah. And I'm trying to think when it, I think it it opened in like the mid-90s and then closed in the late, like 2008 or so to make way for Contempo Cafe because they opened, I remember they opened up the Wave like less than a week later. So there was a new table service restaurant. But like you, I do miss, I mean, I look and I like Contempo Cafe and I do like the idea that it is quick service. So you can go in and enjoy that. The monorail passing overhead, I don't know what it is, but there's something that I do just kind of dig about that a lot. It just sort of screams back to to old Disney for me. Yeah, and the salt and pepper shakers. (laughs) were amazing. And I don't know why I remember that, but they were so cool. 
You know, when you said contemporary, I thought you were going to go to the Fiesta Fun Center, which I know we have talked about in the past, but very much made it onto my list. So I'm going to quickly uh, I append. I that for you. I figured that you did. Um, yep. Where the wa- nice segue, Lou. Where the wave was. So if this was originally a space that they used um, f- for conventions. Before they had the convention space, they used this location where the wave is as an exhibit space. And then they eventually put an arcade in, but it was more than an arcade. There was shooting galleries. There was a little theater that showed Disney films there. There was a snack bar that was open 24 hours a day, I remember. It was known as the Fiesta Fun Center. And then they I think they called it like the Food and Fun Center or the Fun and Food Center. And they took the movie theater out. Um, and then it eventually became the wave in 2008. Eight or so, and then I think then they like adjusted the name. Then it was became like the wave dot 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 of American flavors. But I just remember the the burnt oranges and the rust and the red colors that just screamed early nineteen seventies and really sort of uh, mirrored the entire decor of the contemporary at that time. Love those burnt oranges. So so Brady bunch. Very, very pretty bunch. I, you know, it's I, honestly, I wonder how many people out there, wonderful listeners of yours, when I say Brady Bunch, this is this is showing our age, know what we're talking about. Maybe, maybe not everybody even knows what the Brady Bunch is. I know we're sort of taking I swear, that there's people where I work, there's kids, and I'll go up to them. I'm I'll, Jan, Marsha, and dude, what are you talking about? Like, they, they have no <laughs> idea. It's, I don't know what that says about our society or says about how old i am um i'm gonna go i don't believe i mentioned this last time and this was actually the first thing i wrote down last time uh going back to epcot and uh what was it outside today lou 103 you said in the shade yeah in the shade yeah in the shade so i'm gonna stumble ahead towards uh more 92 degrees down there in december and uh, the lights of winter in Epcot. Yes, I feel yes. you. So, I this was the, when we came up with this. That was the first thing that popped into my head. And um, for those who don't know what this is, uh, I'm assuming most people do, but some might not. If you're a recent visitor, um, this was a Christmas. Uh, decoration doesn't even do it justice but a chris a, a christmas happening at uh, epcot and it was a series of archways that lined the promenade between world showcase and future world and they were comprised of thousands of lights and they would blink on and off in synchronization to the music that was playing. And as you walk through them, and this was the whole way down the promenade set. And I, I forget how many arches there were, 12 or 13, something like that. Um, but at walking through them, it was, if you remember the Osborne family lights, it was not that dissimilar to that as far as you looking around and going, I can't believe how many lights there are. This is incredible. And the thing about the lights of winter that was especially cool was it was so different it was so epcot it was so definitive of what epcot was all about this wasn't a million christmas lights on a house this was this weird this weirdly strange futuristic 
decor that you've never seen before, but it was perfectly fitting in the, the ideal of Epcot and the, and the world of tomorrow and progress and everything else. Um, and I, I don't believe the lights started out synchronized, if I remember correctly, in the very beginning, but then they became so as that technology got to the point where they could do that. Um, so if you don't remember it, you know, experienced, it's, it's hard to describe. Just walking down the promenade through the lights was amazing. Even more amazing was if you were on the monorail and you ha- this was pure luck when this happened and you happened to be going around your tour of future world as you made your way to the station and you went through the lights of winter, the, man- the monorail tracks, you went right between a couple of the arches. And if you timed it right and those lights hit at just the moment you went through, and that happened to me a couple times. That that was just an unforgettable experience. You can't plan it. You couldn't time it. But it was something that you'd never forget. Kind of like being able to see the fireworks today from the monorail or launch boat if you just happen to be in the right place at the right time. But but Lights of Winter just so screamed Christmas to me, but in a totally Epcot Disney way. And I'll never forget them. I hope they come back. I, I don't know where they are. I hear rumors they're hiding in a warehouse or whatever but um well they were supposed but, to right so when they went away in in when was that anyway? so they they started in 94 they ended in at the end of the season in 2008 disney actually yeah. tweeted in 2009 that the technology was obsolete and that they're going to retire the lights and and come up with a new experience so the idea the the hope was that okay they're going to pull these down. They're going to use an LED type of display, much like they did at Osborne Lights. And we don't ever really know why it it never came back. Um, because it was it was a wonderful photo opportunity. It was unique to the parks. I don't know if it was a money, a logistics thing. Listen, I said it before, we're in this this age of what is old is new again and and embracing the past who knows if at d23 expo as we talk about some of the things that are going to be coming to epcot center we don't finally get to see a new lights of winter win light of winter for the upcoming holiday season oh i would be a i would be a happy i would dig i would dig it brother um i, I would love yeah, to see it is- because it was elegant it made, in its simplicity, right? It was just, yeah. it didn't do anything. It didn't have to, it was just, it it, it didn't have, uh, you know, it didn't dance to music like the Osborne lights did. And I think those are going to come back in their own iteration as well. But, um, if, you know, can, could very quickly add that to my list too, in terms of little things that I miss. Yeah. And that, it wasn't really a little thing. That was a right. pretty big thing. It was a thing. big thing. But, uh, you know, I miss it. And everyone I mentioned to knows it, remembers it, and there are, Everyone is like, oh, I so miss that. And yeah, it was weird when they went away because I remember when they went away, as far as I knew and most people knew, there was no announcement. Right. We just, hey, where are the lights? And then we all kind of caught on, oh, they're not here. And then, you know, kind of learned, you know, the technology being obsolete. Still don't quite understand what that means exactly. Lights are still lights. I don't know. But, um, well, I mean, I, I get it. I mean, I, I understand. If, if it was a LED, but, you know, what it was. But, but hey, you know, maybe. Know. Maybe. So. All right. I'm going to leave the parks. I'm going no. to take you again back in time to 
Before it was known as Disney Springs, a little place known as the Walt Disney World Village slash Disney Village Marketplace slash Pleasure Island, call it what you will, and I'm going to give you a trifecta of little things that I miss. You would think it would be the Adventures Club. Oh, what I absolutely do miss, but that was not a a little thing, and and I was sad to see it. Not a little thing, but um, I I did love that, that... venue i loved the story i loved the characters i loved the cast members i loved the the animatronics and the puppets and everything else that disappeared in 2008 but i'm gonna go back early i'm gonna go back way way back to 1978 and i i think it probably closed around that time you may or may not remember this but i, I absolutely do. do i remember the village whatchamacallit I'm not kidding. So back when this was the Walt Disney World Village and Disney Village Marketplace, there were little play areas for kids. And there was this playground slide with all these tubes. And and it's almost like what you'd see in a regular playground now. But it was sort of this multicolored slide that was later painted all blue. And in the middle of it, was this giant kaleidoscope structure. It was a huge tower. I mean, probably 40, 50 feet up in the air. And it was a giant kaleidoscope um, that was there for years. They eventually moved it over um, near where sort of the, the world of Disney store is now. But it was known as the village whatchamacallit. They didn't really know what to call it, so they called it the whatchamacallit. And I will just quickly append, and for my trifecta, I do miss 8-Tracks. This was a club. It was originally known as Cage, which I didn't like the name, but I dug 8-Tracks because it was a 70s and 80s themed dance club that ran from like 91, 92 until 2008 um, when Adventures Club and, and all of Pleasure Island closed down. And one of the other places that I missed, and I don't know if you've ever seen it, been there, whatever, it was called the Wild Horse Saloon. And it was a barbecue restaurant that ran from, it was only there for maybe three years, if that. It's where motion was, and if you're trying to sort of approximate where it would have been now, it would have been sort of where the boathouse gift shop sits, um, that area where Terralina in that little corner right there, it was a barbecue restaurant um, that, again, ran for only just a couple of years. It was also a, a, a country western dance club. I was there for the food, not for the dancing. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but I remember Wild Horse Saloon. Uh, at one point, it, before there was the fireworks factory, which the, I remember the barbecue was Phenomenal. And I still have a matchbook. I still have a matchbook from Fireworks Factory in my, again, showing how old it was when you used to be able to collect matchbooks from yeah. uh, the Disney properties. But the Village Whatchamacallit, 8-Tracks, and the Wild Horse Saloon, rest in peace, or pieces. Just to clarify, when you say 
nothing wrong with that. Did you mean nothing wrong with you saying food or nothing wrong with your dancing? <laughs> nothing wrong with, with uh, you know, I may not participate in the country Western line dancing, but there's nothing wrong I with that would, for those who do. I would pay <laughs> as, as someone in the Marvel universe. I would pay full. Never, money. ever, ever going. Wow. Uh, going there's to videos. I know there's videos. There's not. So. Go ahead. You made me. I something you said just made me add this to my list. So again, yeah, we're gonna have to do part three. Um, very small. I can do this one very quickly. Polynesian Resort. I think it's a combination of your orange bird dole, the hinting at dole whip thing, or something else. I miss the uh, whatever you wanted to call it, the rock fountain waterfall big thing in the middle of the lobby that. Um, is no longer there after they renovated it a few years ago at this point. But um, much like it, like most resorts have their signature something, like at the Wilderness Lodge, the totem poles, the fireplace, and so forth, and the contemporary with the mural and all that. The Polynesian, that huge rock waterfall pond garden uh, feature in the middle of the lobby, which you could see not only from the first level, but up on top and the second level, as you looked out over it, um, tremendous photo opportunities, number one, but it just, the, the sounds of the water, the, the plants and everything just made the whole Polynesian vibe just work so well. And, uh, it's still a wonderful lobby, but I, I do miss that, very much and i kind of forgot about it till something you said did percolate that in my mind but um uh, yeah that's a short one the polynesian rock water fountain thing i will see your polynesian and i will yeah. mention something that i almost will guarantee will touch your little heart that you may oh. have forgotten about all right, hold on let me get let me prepare all right good <clears throat> it's not a place it's not a thing it's a person and her name was Miyuki. So Miyuki was a candy artist that performed in the Japan Pavilion, which, as you know from listening to the show, is our favorite pavilion ever in Epcot. And she performed a kind of art called Amizaiku, which is a is a Japanese candy craft artistry. And they take this, this multicolored, um, it's called, Mizuami and and they mold it with their hands and tweezers and scissors to create little edible works of art that's made from this sort of like soft rice dough that's it's cornstarch and sugar and she could have made this this huge spectrum of animals in a, a matter of seconds so whether you wanted a goldfish a dragon she would start with um a, a simple this, this white paste and then add colors in using a, a very, very tiny little uh, paintbrush while she heats up the candy using a little uh, a little flame in order to make it um, uh, so she could sort of it's like it would make it like malleable. Um, malleable. Right. And she was actually one of the only women, only women ever trained in this Japanese candy art that's that dates back to the Edo period. And I think she would like, I think there was only like 10 of, of formally trained artists in the world. And she was the only 
female that that learned this art and she was there from probably 95 or so to I want to say I'm bad with dates 2011 2012 2013 somewhere around there she was incredibly gifted and talented obviously you didn't want to eat the candy you wanted to to take it home because it was a little piece of art but she was also always had a smile on her face she would talk to you and other guests she was wonderful with kids she was truly an attraction in and of herself and used to perform just out in front of where the front entrance to the Mitsukoshi department store is sort of now where the lower level check-in area is outside for uh, Teppanetto and Tokyo dining. I remember her well. I yeah. Miss- I loved, I loved Miyuki, the candy lady. Now she was, she was great. Uh, do I mention this? I guess it, it was, it's kind of bittersweet because we loved her. I remember her. I really have, <laughs> I don't say bittersweet. I have fond memories of her. She was really great and wonderful, t- wonderfully talented. Like you said, it was amazing to watch her to uh, uh, work and, and make these incredible creations. But uh, I, I think I've spoken of the day when it was, I won't make this a long story, but it was my daughter's day. This was like your day. What do you want to do? And she wanted to go around world showcase. This is when we we're doing all the crafts and all of that. And I guess this was a millennium year is when this was. And, um, we were there for one of her shows and we were watching her right up front. And for all the world, she thought she was handing her a dragon candy, but it went to the boy behind her. And <laughs> there, there were a few tears ensued, but it, but it was okay. But it was, it was so, so fun to watch her. It kind of reminded me of another one. And I mentioned the British invasion in the last show. I remember um, this one's cheating and this will be short. So you can go on to your next one. Uh, it was in France. Uh, if I'm pronouncing this correctly and remember the name correctly, Server Amusant, which uh, they're still there. Uh, but I remember, unless they just left last month and I don't know about it, but um, these are the the uh, duo. I don't know how you describe them. They, they, an acrobatic duo. They stack chairs up on top of each other higher and higher and higher until eventually, you know, they, uh, the, the one climbs up and up and up and up and up and up and up. Um, right now when they come out or like for the past two years, they would come out as a duo and do their team. But I, I remember years ago, the, uh, play, the guy who played the part as a chef who kind of directed everything would come out alone. And the actual person who did the climbing was a plant in the audience that to everybody else was just another random guest. And he was just the random guy that the, uh, the performer pulled up and said, Hey, you're going to help me out. And you know, what do I do? Well, you're going to climb up on the chair. All right. Well, you're going to climb up on the next one too. Are you kidding? And then eventually we caught on that he was actually part of the act. And that was pretty cool. And I remember um, having caught on to this, I saw, I don't want to, it's not spoiling the magic. I saw the guy hanging in the back. I didn't say anything. I just like, I knew, like I said in my head, I know who you are, but it was kind of, it was pretty cool the way they did it then. Cause it was more, it was, I mean, it's still funny. It's still a great show if you catch it, but it was a little funnier back then when you thought it was uh, just some guy who just came <laughs> out and he's cl- what's he doing? And then, you know, when you figure out what was going on, that, that was another 
you know, good moment. Everybody applaud. Still a great show. And I just, it's, there's probably a bunch of showcase players that have come and gone through the years that we could name. And I said, they're still there. So this one doesn't really count, but um, that iteration of the show. But, uh, but you reminded me of that when you mentioned because they're uh, right next door. So they're pretty close to next door. All right. So I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to confess something. I'm about yeah. I'm about to get um I'm about to go way back and start hitting on some of the the little sentimental things oh. at, at least here. And Tim, I actually don't expect for that for you to remember what I'm going to talk about. Okay. So, I'm going back to Little Lou Mangello driving with his parents from New Jersey to Disney World every year since November of 1971. And look, I think now, especially if even if you're a local, there are those moments that you have when you sort of know you've arrived. Right. We all have it. For some people, it's seeing the archway on World Drive. For other people, it's your first glance at Cinderella Castle. It's checking into your room. It's going to your favorite attraction. It's that moment that you're like, I'm here. And I, I know if you're listening, you you get it, right? You understand that we have those moments. For me, I, I know exactly when it was. And Tim, as if it was yesterday, I could see myself in the back of the van, I remember going down in, in this sort of little conversion van station wagony kind of thing. And I remember, and showing you how old it was, obviously not wearing a seatbelt, leaping oh. from the back of the of the car over the bench seat in the front and extending my tiny little alligator arms trying to reach the radio. Because there used to be, as you entered world drive and approached magic kingdom disney had its own am radio station and it was i'll never forget it was 10 30 a.m and by the way tim uh, a radio is this device where I know what a radio okay is, son so you would turn you would tune to 10 30 a.m the track player <laughs> welcome to the walt disney world vacation complex including epcot center and the magic kingdom today epcot center is open from 9 a.m to 11 p.m the magic kingdom is open from 9 a.m to 12 midnight if you're going to a Walt Disney World Resort Hotel, please follow the signs or use the two far right-hand lanes at the Magic Kingdom or Epcot Center off the plaza. Ask the host or hostess any dining or lodging questions you may have. If you need handicapped assistance or information, also use the far right-hand lanes. For your best ticket value, Choose a three- or four-day multi-day world passport and save between $10 and $19.50. Multi-day passports are good for unlimited admission to both parks, plus use of all Walt Disney World transportation. Use your multi-day world passport three or four days in a row or one day at a time, any day of the week, month or year, any year, until you've enjoyed all three or four visits. Multi-day world passports are good forever. 
For your convenience, three kennels are located throughout the Vacation Kingdom. And provide 10.30 a.m. I'm going to the 8-track player on that. <laughs> and Disney had its own, like, welcome radio station. And it would tell you all the things that you needed to know and do to help you plan your day. So it would give you park times, how to get from point A to point B, where the monorail would be going, what sort of special things were going on to start getting ready to pay your $1 parking fee at the toll plaza. I'm not kidding. I think it was a dollar way back when in order to park. Um, But that was sort of like the moment that I knew that I was there and there was something about there was something comforting about that. And you could actually on the way out at night, whether you were staying on property or off property, there was a nighttime um, track that played that thanked you for coming. Hope that you had a good time. Let you know what was open at what time. No matter what the weather is, it's always a great staying at Walt Disney World Resort. Rooms are available tonight, Wednesday night, at the Disney Yacht Club Resort, the Disney Beach Club Resort, and the Disney Wilderness Lodge. Also, I'd like to remind you that no matter what the weather, you'll want to experience the shopping, dining, boating, and fountains of fun at the Disney Village Marketplace. Parking is free, and so is admission. Wednesday through Sunday nights from 5 till 9 p.m., enjoy a nightly celebration of face painters, Jugglers, stilt walkers, puppet shows, and much more. That's at the Disney Village Marketplace. Don't miss it. This is Disney meteorologist Alan Archer. Have a great day. Getting excited. Vacation's begun. Ready for Mickey. Time for some fun. It's gonna be great. I bet you can't wait. I'm going to Disney World. time the next day and i love sort of having that in the look remember this is the 1970s the iphone ipad i that none of that existed so that was the way that you that was sort of your first connection and contact to let you know that you were there um it was that same sort of comforting sound and feel of hearing jack wagner on the monorail spiel letting you sort of get exciting and feeling like you have arrived. So if you remember the old Walt Disney World radio station on 1030 a.m., um, you're probably old like me. But, you know, after your 22 hours in the car and stopping to see Pedro at south of the border, <laughs> that moment um, when you, you tune to 1030 a.m. And I still have some audio from that. I'm gonna, I'll see if I can include it here on the show. Um from that old radio station to give you an idea just what it sounded like. That's cool. Yeah, I don't remember that at all. Anyway. But actually what I do, this doesn't really count. You kind of did this. Um, just in general, just your... F- all right, I'm going to say, you can tell me, Tim, that has nothing to do with the topic we're talking about. But um, I was similarly thinking about um, the little thing you miss being the first time you were there or the first time you experienced 
fill in the blank. And, you know, I still remember, like, you, you just had your memory of when you were first down there driving in your big, juicy van. <laughs> Excuse <Right>. me? <laughs> what? <laughs> That's a Seinfeld <laughs> reference. People know what I'm talking about. Um, now, I remember. Tim, I've never heard a van called Juicy before, but please, Watch please, Seinfeld. for the love of all things holy, please move on. Episode three. I don't know which one it was, but um, now I like I remember my first visit to Epcot and how magical it was. And I remember seeing the dream lights for the first time. Uh, we all remember the first times we did, whether we the first time we were at the park or the first time we saw a new tracks, first time we visited a resort. Um, and it, it's it's just you'll never get that moment back. I mean, you'll remember it and it's still magical, but there's, it's just that first time. And I, I guess that fits because it's, it's a little thing with something you remember. The good part about that though, is there's going to be more of them as we go forward and new things come on. We're, we're going to have lots of first times we saw fill in the blank first time, like coming up first time we saw star wars first time we saw epcot forever first time we did this and that um so that's the good thing to take away is there would be more of these memories to be made but i'll never have that first time i was in epcot first time i saw spaceship earth and went whoa you know um first time you went through the gates you know um that sort of thing i don't think that counts i'm gonna do another one no, that counts. I'm fine. <laughs> I miss Jeremy Irons. I'll just say that. Do your best, Jer- no. Actually, never mind. Don't no, do your best, Jeremy. I, I, you, uh, f- can we do our best, Jerry Lewis? No, nobody Please. needs to hear that. The people again. want to. <laughs> nobody ever asked me to do that again. All right, listen. We're going fast. We're moving. I'm taking you back. I'm doing. You know what? I'm going to do it again. I'm going to give you another trifecta. Because I'm going to go to Main You've Street. Like Twelve of these already. I know it's fun. Which is fair. But I'm going to go fast. Fun. I'm going to go fast right. because I'm going to go back to Main Street USA. And again, Main Street USA when it opened in 1971 was very different. The it very much was evocative of that small town turn of the century. Because it was made up of a lot of individual shops. There was a candle shop. There was a Christmas shop. There was a Hallmark card shop. But I'll give you three little things that I miss from Main Street USA. It will come as no surprise, no shock to you, that House of Magic is certainly going to be on my list. I have talked about it over and over and over again. I cry every time I do it because my dad would always take me there and let me get something on the way out. I loved the monster masks and the cards and the magic tricks and and the little fake gag things. Um, I was sad when it closed in the mid-90s to become part of the Main Street Athletic Club. It has been given a little bit of love and tribute way back when, uh, before pre-Galaxy's Edge in Disney's Hollywood Studios on Streets of America. There was a little House of Magic facade that they put there. I also, in the same vein, missed the Penny Arcade which was replaced by the expansion of the Emporium in the mid-90s as well. This was like the original in Disneyland. It had all kinds of, not modern, but I loved the vintage arcade machines because it, it made you feel and appreciate, look, as much as I love technology, Tim, I wish I could go back to a day when it didn't exist, when the simple pleasure of, 
play, paying some of those penny and nickel um, arcade machines was how you were able to go and, and have fun with your friends or, or have fun with your family. And there was something about the feel and the sounds and the smell of an arcade um, that for some reason touches me in it. And again, that, that sentimental place and by the same token on that same side of the street. So, you know, currently there is the, if you go, if you're heading down towards Cinderella castle, there is center street on the right-hand side. Well, originally before the Emporium expanded in 2001, and you can see the little, um, the, the circuit, um, the circus sign over that section, there was actually West Center Street. And much as though the same way there is a um, a window where you can hear music and dance lessons being given, there was actually a bar, the original Harmony Barbershop was on that side. And upstairs, there used to be a sound of um, uh, the, the man shaving from up above the uh, barbershop window. So you can sort of get that same, and again, you can just like in Disneyland, there's the dentist's office. Here you could hear the person shaving above the barbershop. And it's, again, it's a little thing that I miss. Jerry, Which, in case you didn't realize, is the, is the name of this segment. Oh, right. No, that's that, that's a great. I, I actually, I was surprised you didn't mention the magic shop in the first show. I know you, and I know that's deep in your heart. You know, it's uh, this isn't a small one. It's too soon to say illuminations, right? Yeah, it's too soon. I only say that because a friend of mine, uh, full disclosure, folks, it is nine ten right now as we're doing this. Uh, friend Which of mine is four is hours past there. your bedtime. We understand. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't, I'm a mess right now. No, he's I, I have a friend down there and Lou, you should go hold his hand because he just texted me illuminations farewell and like five crying emojis. And, but it's too soon. So I can't we can't put that on this. But you know what I miss, though? Tapestry sandwiches. You miss sandwiches. What? Handwiches. Miss, yeah. What? <laughs> you don't remember the handwiches? Back in the Hand- land pavilion, and then in the t- Tomorrowland, the lunching pad in Tomorrowland. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It was the predecessor to the cozy cone. Okay. And look, I just snuck one in without even you knowing. See. And it was food, so you double dipped. Which, on. by the way, is the only. It was the only food-related thing on my list. Nah, you did food earlier. I'm not so sure. But go ahead, move on. We had a whole thing. Was it the food or the dancing? Remember. <laughs> go ahead. Tapestry of Nations Parade. Oh, yes. Ah, and I that wasn't even on my list. Um, man, and we only saw this a, a few times. So my I, I will confess my memories of it are a bit hazy as well. But it was, um, for everyone who remembers this, I guess it ended uh, not too soon after the millennium or at, during, at the millennium. Um, you can correct, you can fill in my faulty memory of dates there, but, um, uh, there was a time and this was when we first started going in the mid late nineties. And, and that time this, this was a Epcot nighttime spectacle before illumination or before illuminations, reflections of earth, 
uh, whatever fireworks display was going off at the time. Um, there was a parade, a tapestry mm -hmm. of, I think it was tapestry of nations became tapestry of dreams or vice versa. Correct. But it, uh, it, it went around world showcase promenade and it was, uh, it was amazing. It was these giant puppets and I don't know how to describe it. Um, uh, you know, cast members would, they were, they were manning these giant puppets uh, with that were just decorated um, incredibly imaginatively. And uh, as they wound their way around world showcase, they would interact with guests all over the place. My daughter, they would lean down and say hi to my daughter and all that. Um, again, my details are fuzzy. I don't, it's one thing I realized when going through our photo albums, I don't have any pictures of this, which is in retrospect, I wish we would have taken a million of them. And again, this was before, we had phones and you know something at the ready to take a zillion pictures. This is when you had, I've only got 32 pictures on my Instamatic and I gotta make them count. Um, uh, we probably have a fuzzy picture somewhere, but um, not too, as surprising as I mentioned, not too many people remember it, some do, but um, obviously there's no parade anymore, hasn't been for a long time at World Showcase and Epcot. And I, admittedly, it was kind of logistically a nightmare to try and get around. You just didn't, you couldn't and get around world showcase at that time um, as the parade wound its way around. But, but it was, uh, you know, it wasn't a perfect, a perfect embodiment of Epcot's ideals, especially world showcases ideals. And I remember when it was tapestry of dreams, uh, uh, the, the voiceover announcement talking about the end of the, as the parade wound down, we'll talk about the greatest streamer of all, Walt Disney, and that always would put a tear in my eye, and, and always drove home like why we're here, the you know how this all came to be, and you know um, it, was, it was very touching, moving, but it was just very cool to watch because it was so unique and different from anything you'd ever seen before. So, so this and, is uh, one that wasn't on my list, but I absolutely remember vividly uh, especially as as a relatively young kid because of how slow moving it was and how the performers would interact with guests specifically kids and i loved 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 the music from this there was something wonderfully haunting about it and the puppets were remarkable so they were actually designed by Michael Curry, who actually designed the puppets for The Lion King on Broadway and a lot of other shows in the parks as well. And if you remember, the first, the, the leader of the parade at the very front was called the Sage of Time, who was mm. this very tall stilt walker, and there was all these sort of um, alchemy symbols on there, and he had his white robe with gold trim, and on top of his head, he had this, um, like a headpiece that had like a sun like as its face and behind him there were all these different puppets that weren't meant to represent any culture but were meant to represent unity among all the countries and the world so there was a man made out of like sheet metal and there was characters with wings and there was characters like angels and and birds and an aztec man and i remember the um there was the sage, uh, what was it? The sage of time um, and, and the giant clock figure. And if you remember, uh, Super Bowl 
30, I think it was probably 33, 34 in 2000, had a, a very similar type of parade because it was had the same director to it. And then it changed to the Tapestry of Dreams in mm. 2000. And one of the things they did there, and this is where they had the Walt Disney tribute, and instead of the Sage of Time, they had these these dream seekers. And what they would do is, this is where they would um, interact with little kids, and I, they had like these um, these coins that you could. I remember I think you could like throw them into baskets, and like you would be throwing in like your your dream coins in there that you would that your kids could pick up at the Kidcot station. Um, but it, it's unfortunate that this went away. Yes, it did sort of move its way very, very slowly around the promenade, but um, I actually loved it. And I've actually, there are a few of the puppets remaining in some backstage offices. I have some friends who work backstage and, and for years, some of those puppets were still there um, and they were beautiful. And, and if you can ever find the, the music f- uh, for it, um, it's it actually, I think it's on the old millennium, CD from the 9899 time. Oh wait, I think I have that. But yeah, it's I'm CD, sure, so I haven't pulled it out of the drawer and I'm sure you know. it's it's you know, you can find it somewhere <clears throat> online. <laughs> I do think. So yeah, Tapestry no, Nations. Yeah, that was it was a beautiful beautiful parade. No, see, I'm glad I brought it up cuz I'm glad you filled in some blanks cuz I I think a lot of these uh that there are a lot of things that I would put on my list, but in the in the little things we remember from way back when, they're so little and so way back. I just I have like very foggy, tenuous memories of them, and that was one. I didn't remember it as well as you did, and I'm glad you filled in blanks. All right, so now I'll give you. I, I'll I give remembered you. the all the things you said was like yes, I remember. Oh yes, I remember that. I remember that, and hopefully for a lot of people out there listening, it was the same experience like it was yeah i vaguely remembered that but i forget oh that's right oh that's right so all right i I will satisfy a request i will give you the only part of the parade that i remember was the sage of time as right before the the parade began his sort of introduction he talked about it was like together we'll fly hand in hand on the wings of kindness compassion and love and this is the part i remember vividly goes behold the great millennium walk peace and goodwill to all who gather here for this earthly celebration may the spirit of humanity bring us together may the promise of the new millennium lighten the child within your heart and now As the Millennium Drums unite and become one heartbeat, let us fly together, hand in hand, on the wings of joy, kindness, compassion, and love. Behold, the great Millennium Walk. remember i will play over this section or or at the end of this top 10 because it's some of my favorite music at epcot ever can i say the mickey mouse hand on the spaceship earth 
No, you're actually not allowed to say that. Can I say the birthday cake Cinderella Castle? You are absolutely not allowed to say that. Can I say the 50th anniversary gilded overlay of the Cinderella Castle, which was beautiful? Mm, no. No? No. All right. Sorry. Right. Uh, all right. I'm going to go quick. I'm going to go very, right. very quick. And we'll just see if you even remember some of these things. We'll sort of go back. You know and Let's do this. You go boom, boom, boom. And I'll just go yes and no. Okay. Do you remember when Aunt Polly's place, before it was Aunt Polly's Landing, used to actually be open all day and serve food Lemonade, on Tom Sawyer yes. Island? Yes. Do you remember the Norway Viking ship play area for kids where the frozen stuff is now? Absolutely. And I remember the movie, and I remember the hidden Mickey I found inside the stave church on the ship, which... A good friend of ours never recognized as official, and I'm still bitter about that. <laughs> yes, I love the Norway Pavilion. The old one, the new one. Everything. Do you remember, <laughs> do you remember, uh, yeah. originally on Main Street, but then moved over to Epcot Center not long after the aforementioned Tapestry of Nations slash Dream Parade went away? Do you remember the omnibuses, the double-decker buses that yes. used to be on Main Street that then became, oh, God, it was like the Epcot character cavalcade or something. Yes. And it used to park and stop and all the characters would get off yep. and it was red and they would meet everybody and then it would take off. Yeah. You couldn't ride in it. Could you? No, you couldn't ride in it. But I remember, I remember they had. In, I remember it in Epcot with the characters. Right. I remember it. the Epcot in in characters. Yeah. Um, cool. Do you remember. Well, you, I'm sure you do. Do you remember Little Red? Uh, no. What? You don't no, remember? I no, I absolutely remember Little Red. And actually, a friend of a good friend of mine who helps me with my social media was a cast member. Uh, she was in the college program, and she—it was funny you said that because she was just telling me the other day that she wishes it was still there. And when she was doing the college program not too long ago, it's like some elements of it were still backstage and she saw it. it was, yeah, I, I remember Big Red well. Explain what that is to everybody. Since I so originally when the Kilimanjaro Safari <laughs> opened, there was a lot more in the script about the the warden trying to hunt down poachers that captured uh, an elephant and her child, Big Red and Little Red. And at the end, spoiler alert, the poachers were captured. And there used to be a, a live cast member there standing there next to the poacher's truck. But originally, the original ending, I I, I want to say this, you know. The, Delicately. Yeah. At the end, you found and saved Little Red but you were the the truck and the cast member were standing next to the corpse of Big Red, and you saw that her tusks had been sawed off. And I understand they wanted to try and really drive home the fact that poaching and removing those tuck, tusks, you know, oftentimes the animals would would have been slaughtered. Um, you know, unfortunately, it was a very powerful um 
somewhat graphic scene, especially for younger kids. So they changed it. And I think it was actually changed in like the first couple of weeks um, where the corpse had been taken. The big red had been taken away, but then it still was. Well, wait a minute. There's Little Red. Whatever happened to Big Red? And you can sort of surmise that maybe Big Red would, did not get saved, but at least the um, the 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 figure of Big Red was not there at the end. But now, I mean, now that entire storyline is gone, and there's not even the there was a little sort of animatronic, you know, Big Red. You could see her, her tail swinging in the in the little truck next to the cast member that would be waving as you went by. Hey, real quick, speaking of live cast members, do you miss the live cast member guide in Living with Lynn? Absolutely, absolutely, and I understand why they were replaced, but there still is something about that that live cast member even though the script remained the same they really didn't have the flexibility to adjust much as they do on jungle cruise there was just something about having that person there yeah my do you I'm remember sorry. where we're gonna go my quick friend is, my friend is sad he just saw illuminations for last <laughs> i'm sorry and that's not funny uh, do you remember yes. the old fort yeah. wilderness Railway. I do not know, but don't remember <laughs> it. No, I'm aware of it, but I never, I never saw it. So, so. Fort Wilderness yeah. used to have their own internal railway system from well, it opened like '73 until probably like '79, '80, and it, it was meant to be a, a transportation system, even more so than it was meant to be a. Um, um, an attraction really. Um, and it ran for a number of years, but part of the problem was the foundation was sinking. You know, remember Florida is just one giant swamp and the foundation for some of the tracks actually started to sink despite all the best efforts to literally keep it afloat. Um, and it just was way too costly to fix. And the engines always had to stop because again, they had to take on, you know, water and diesel, um, and it wasn't like they could just sort of, you know, the, the the engines and the trains were different than the ones that are used in um, Magic Kingdom. And if you can actually still walk, I believe you can still walk in some sections of Fort Wilderness and still find little pieces of the tracks that are sunk under and deteriorated and overgrown. Here's a trivia question for you. What did oh, they do with some of the train cars after the Fort Wilderness Railway closed? Are you asking me or your audience? Yes. They took them to Storybook Circus and You're so close. Them. You're so close. They actually <laughs> re they repainted them and repurposed yeah. them. They used to be used as ticket booths at Pleasure Island. Get out! You How get is out! That remotely close to ticket boost and pleasure. I right? was being I was being polite. Kind. So Thank I you. remembered they were painted like blue and red with yellow accents, <laughs> and in the parking lot, which is now where um, many of the shopping areas currently exist um, in Pleasure Island, there used to be a, a, a ground level parking lot there. I remember seeing those 
um, train cars used as ticket booths because, again, you used to have to get a ticket in order to enter Pleasure Island at night. There you go. You having fun? You like this? You don't remember any of these things that I'm talking about, do you? No, I remembered every. I I, I was not a Pleasure Island. Full disclosure, I was not a Pleasure that Island. That does Can not I, surprise I me. Doesn't, doesn't surprise me at all. Surprise anybody nope. listening to this? Nope. I'm a little kid when I'm there. I'm a little kid now. It's it's too grown up and scary for me. All right, we'll end on a silly one. We'll end on a somewhat silly one. Do I you have remember? One I wanted to, to add, but you, go ahead. You, you add it. Go ahead. No, I, I don't think I said it was uh, this. I think I said another one's the first thing I wrote down. This was the second one I wrote down. I don't think I mentioned it in the last show. Correct me if I'm wrong. The Living Seas film. And it rained. And it, it rained. rained. Wait, I'll do you better. Oh, hold it. Wait. And then. That cloud covered planet waits, and I'm reading, and waits and waits until finally those clouds of gas and steam condense and rain upon that planet. And they rain and rain and rain the deluge. Although that's sort of an attraction, so that's probably why I kind of shied away from my list. But um, listen, just so you know, next time, read it slower. Lower timber. You, you're pushing me along to go rained, faster, so I didn't want to belabor the and point. And it rained. They know what I'm. And All it right. rained. Dramatic, uh, now you got it's Lewis. dramatic pause. The deluge. And they rain. And rain. And rain. The deluge. We welcome you to the living seas. We welcome you to Sea Base Alpha. Sorry. I didn't date very much, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> um, clearly. Um, no, I, I, I'll throw that in there. I, I think that's, uh, we might talk about it on other shows. It's it's kind of, it lends itself to a top 10 of another kind. And we can go to it, to it a lot more. Things we remember at Epcot that aren't there anymore. That's a whole thing into itself. But it's one of the first things that came to mind that I missed because that's one of the first, uh, I think when we went to Epcot for the very first time, uh, Spaceship Earth was certainly the first thing we went on. This was evening. I think the seas was second. And um, the film being the first part of it, that's one of the first things, one of my earliest memories of Epcot. And uh, one of the things, like the Norway film, you reminded me of one of those things that I loved, I loved, I loved, and just always broke my heart when people didn't, buy into that just wanted to get to the main attraction. Like they would go buy the Norway film and ignore it. They, I think you could remember, right. You could bypass the seas film. If you wanted, you could make your way straight into the, to the ride of the hydrolators if you wanted to. I can't mean, remember <laughs> trying to remember how the sequence of that attraction went, but um, no, I loved the film. And if you took away the rest of the living seas, I was still all about that movie and loved it. And uh, I, my favorite was after the deluge, the deluge and uh, how that? And you saw the first couple drops hit and then you lifted up to that wide, massive expanse of ocean that you saw. No less dramatic, dare I say, than the reveal 
of better in its prime primer uh, previous incarnation of the planet earth in spaceship earth timed with on this our spaceship earth. like that reveal uh, that was one of our wow moments when we did that show i remember that um uh that expanse to the ocean was a wow moment done moving on next one i have one word for you thank you hydrolators no, hydrolators well yeah Remember the, you know, it took me like two or three cabs. times to realize I actually wasn't going. Anywhere. That doesn't surprise me. Remember the sea cabs, the old sea cab part of the attraction? Yeah. Yeah. I remember reading uh, somebody, like a woman, sued, sued Disney yeah. because her, her eardrums <laughs> burst or something from the hydrolators, from the change in the pressure. And then they told her, <laughs> you know, they don't go anywhere. Dismissed. Yeah, that was a that was a bold move. Yeah, lawyers. <laughs> you, oh yeah, lawyers. All right, I'm going <clears> to <throat> end on a silly one, and I only okay. thought of this because somebody sent it to me uh, a while back. I don't know how it came up in a conversation, and he's like, "I actually have some of this, and I thought you'll get a kick out of it." And I used it for a while at home until people were like, "What? What is this? Do you remember?" Mm-hmm. In the restrooms, when they used to have the powdered soap, I, I, with great delight, say no. I do so, not remember. That. Back in, I guess it was like the late nineties. They didn't have liquid soap. They had this powdered soap, and you'd have to sort of like push up on these levers. Don't pull the lever. You push up on the lever, and this pile of powder would would fall into your hands and you had to sort of like mix it around a lot and and it it was very um it, it was very interesting and had a very obviously unique um texture and consistency to it but it was actually the user for so do you remember not sort of end on a negative do you, but do you remember back in in the early 2000s like 2001 the anthrax scare yeah. Remember when well, when well, yeah. when oh, um, okay, when newspapers and congressmen were getting yeah, were, yeah. were getting uh, envelopes full of powder sent to them, and they contained anthrax, and and some people got very sick and they died from this anthrax, and it became sort of this anthrax scare. So that's why they got rid of the somewhat weird. Um, powdered soap dispensers and switched over to liquid soap dispensers but somebody was like yeah my company makes the the powdered soap and here you go so i have a box of epcot powdered soap or or walt disney world powdered soap uh, in my house somewhere so the the fact that you have it implies that you don't use it you're just keeping it for sentiment i don't know why i keep it i assume it's still under my kitchen sink somewhere Lou, I've seen because you leave your video <laughs> on sometimes. So I, I there's some weird stuff in your house, but wait. Speaking of weird you, stuff, wait, I, wait, wait, wait. No, wait. I remember. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> no, I have to end on a different note now because now you just yeah, said you can't, you can't for all the wonderful memories. <laughs> I can't and, end and art rendering things. You can't end in bathrooms. So, so I'll end. I will end with a a character that we no longer see anymore. Do you remember the old, do you, re- wait, oh, his name do I was. Do remember Mouse? Yeah, I remember No, uh, it was, oh, that, okay. 
do you remember Refreshus Maximus? Yes! Who or what was Refreshus Maximus? Was that the caveman? It was. It was the Neanderthal uh, in the frozen Neanderthal at um, Ice Station Cool. Ice Station Cool. Yeah. Oh, God. Yes, I remember. And you walked in. I'm going to fill in your blanket. So I remember you walked in and you not only saw the dude with a – was he holding a Coke can or something? He was like – remember it was like a snow cave. Yeah, and it was like yeah, a, a snow cat. Remember, it was, it was a snow cat outside. You were, you were getting ripped on from the, from the, from the <laughs> snow and the condensate. That was so cool. Yeah, That's right. God, look and it was at a you. long cave. Remember, it was like a really long, yeah. cold and, cave. And people, I think, slipped all the time, and they had to put signs up like, "This is a slippery floor. Be careful." Right, or right, something. right. Because the heat outside was sort of melting all of the, the, yeah, the, the, of, the cold condensation. Kind of up in Florida. How funny is that? I almost forgot about him. Refreshus Maximus. There you go. So if you remember Refreshus Maximus, you're old like like us. But Tim, look, there's a ton of other things that we didn't get to that I would love to have continued to go down memory lane. I didn't even talk about Back to Neverland or Let's Make a Deal or some of the other things. I just I I have to just put them in. But I, we want to know from you, our friend, what is a little thing in Walt Disney World that we missed that you missed? The best way to let us know is to either call the voicemail 407-900-9391. Tell us the little or big thing that you missed from Walt Disney World or better yet, join our group over on Facebook. If you go to www.radio.com slash community, that will take you to our box people group because again, I used to walk around with my computer live broadcasting. You guys were in the box. I was in the box. The box people were born. So come in there and tell us a little thing that you miss from Walt Disney World. And then, of course, you need. And now, from what I understand, there's extra. There's even more reasons to go and visit CelebrationsPress.com. I don't know what there they are, are, but I assume there's a reason. <laughs> well, there's a reason because it's just fun. No, we have a big announcement. I might have alluded to this last time, but this is for real, Lou. This is happening. So we just launched a brand new website called WDWCupcakes.com. You had me at cupcakes, just so you know. What? You had me at cupcakes. I had you at cupcakes. So uh, we're celebrating the sweeter side of Disney because we love cupcakes as much as you love cupcakes, Lou, and as much as everyone out there loves cupcakes. And everything's sweetened and uh, uh, candies and cakes and all that kind of stuff. So we just launched the website. So among other things, uh, we have photo galleries of cupcakes and profiles of the different eateries. But more exciting, we have recipes and original how to make these cool cupcake videos that um, we're putting up. And the, one, the first one we put up is how to make a Porg Nest cupcake <laughs> from Star Wars. And it's very cool. I didn't make it, so I can uh, credit our – we have a great group of people helping us with this. And uh, uh, so our first video is up. And I did want to tell you – now, I will preface this. Um, our social media director is doing this, and I'm going to try and tell you about this. But I'm the dad who's not allowed on Twitter because I don't know what I'm doing. So um, I will tell you, we, we're running a contest 
uh, on Facebook and Instagram, details of which you can find out if you go to our Facebook and Instagram page, which you can get to the website. But up for grabs, we're offering up our Dream Lights Cupcake pin, um, which you can see on the website, um, as well as our new Nighttime Memories book, which is, Lou, that's arriving in a couple of weeks, our new book, which I hope I mentioned you before, plus a Disney gift card. So um, for details on that, um, you can visit www.cupcakes.com. W, I can't say www.cupcakes.com. Um, and from there, go to our Facebook or Instagram and you can find out more details. But uh, by there, enjoy it. Let us know what you think. And we'd love to hear from you. And um, part of what we're hoping to do is have people share with us not just your photos of cupcakes from the park, but the princess cake you made for your birthday or your child's birthday party. Fun things like that. So it's something we want to... Um, interact with people with and have some fun with so we invite y'all over to check it out awesome i will uh, i will make sure i put a link in the show notes little timmy foster i hope i never have to miss you brother because i have so much fun oh. doing these top tens with you i appreciate you and you are a uh, a little treasure that i hope never disappears oh, you're my me. little little uh, treasure. don't make it weird er please <laughs> We have many more of these to do. And if you have a suggestion, not you, Tim, oh, but if you have a suggestion for a top 10, let me know. Email me, Lou, at WW Radio, or post it in the Box People group, and uh, we will certainly do this again. Handwiches, the only food yeah. item that I mentioned other than Miyuki's candy. I want one. A handwich or, or a candy from Miyuki? Yes. for our Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week, where I invite you to test your knowledge of Walt Disney World's history or see how well you pay attention to the details. Sometimes know what you see, sometimes know what you hear. If you think you know the answer, you can enter via our online form for a chance to win a Disney prize package. Of course, before we get to this week's question, we're going to go back, review last week's, and select our winner. So with the home release of Avengers Endgame and Spider-Man Far From Home and Hall H and Comic-Con, I've been on this massive Marvel mania for the past few weeks. Who am I kidding? I've been on it for like 51 years. And that's why last week's question was about Marvel in Walt Disney World, specifically Marvel characters. And the question that I asked you was to tell me what Avenger could you at one time meet in Walt Disney World. Now, I qualified this that it was not the Guardians of the Galaxy, it was not Star-Lord, nor was a Groot, but for a time, a short period of time, there was actually a walk-around Avengers character in one of the parks. Now, before I give you the answer, I want to again thank the hundreds of you who entered, got this one correct, or were creative in your answers. There were a lot of, it must be Ant-Man, and he was an ad. That's not actually who it was, because believe it or not, at one time, at Disney's Hollywood Studios, you could meet Doctor Strange. You're like, Mangello, you're crazy, man, because there's that whole thing with Universal and Disney and Marvel. I know. But back in early November 2016, even before it was listed on the website or you could find it in one of the park maps, Doctor Strange was actually meeting guests in this very well-themed theatrical encounter at the end of Pixar Place. And it sort of reminded me of like the Jedi Training Academy because Doctor Strange and or his assistant 
would pick kids to come out of the crowd for some training in the mystic arts. Insert mystic art music here. And there was this very cool special effect laden training session where he used his sling ring and conjured up different sort of spells and whatnot for the kids and the adults that were watching nearby. And so you're probably wondering like, okay, with all the convoluted contracts and pre-existing arrangements with Universal Studios, how was Doctor Strange able to appear? Now, again, without going too much into the detail, because we obviously don't know, but my understanding is that because at the time, Doctor Strange wasn't part of the Avengers or Fantastic Four or the X-Men, Disney was able to use this character in the Florida theme parks. Now, once Doctor Strange joined the Avengers, he was no longer able to appear in the parks, which was why this was relatively short-lived. Now, one of the really cool things that I loved about this meet and greet was the air of, pun intended, mystery about it. Because again, the meet and greet didn't appear on park maps, but if you went to the end of Pixar Place, you found this Daily Bugle, Spider-Man reference, from New York newspaper box that had the headline, Strange Incidents in the City, and a picture of Doctor Strange. And if you looked on the side of the box, it said, Discover the Mystic Arts, and showtimes that ran from like 10.30 to 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And the key to finding this little box was to look for the Atlas Books building on Bleecker Street, and that's where the meet and greet would be. Now, who knows what the future may hold for Avengers and Marvel character and just the word Marvel in the Disney parks. I will speculate on that on this week's Wednesday night live show over at www.radiolive.com. But I digress because last week I took all of the correct entries, randomly selected one. And again, you were playing for all of my digital products, which is my 102 ways to save money for not Walt Disney World book all seven of my virtual audio walking tours of Magic Kingdom, all of which, by the way, you can find on Amazon and in iTunes, a WW Radio vinyl sticker and a pop socket for your phone, as well as a WW Radio t-shirt. And last week's winner, randomly selected, is Carrie Centers. So, Carrie, congratulations. I have a shipping address. We'll get your prize package at you right away. If you played last week and didn't win, that's okay, because here's your next chance to enter in this week's Walt Disney World Trivia Challenge. So listen, it's been way too long since I talked about food in a trivia challenge. This week it's actually a drink, but in fact, it's also one that's free. For now. Because Club Cool in Epcot Center, which is going to be closing in early September, insert sad music here, has delighted and quenched the thirst of fans and park goers for years since it opened as Ice Station Cool back in June 1998. Rest in peace, Neanderthal man. And it's fun to go in, obviously, and try different flavors from around the world. And it goes with saying the Beverly trick on unsuspecting friends and parents. But I, for one, have always had a favorite in recent years, and it's called Bebo. And it's a sweet, shocker, drink from what country? That's your question this week. From what country does Bebo in Club Cool in Epcot currently, because it's not going to be there much longer, come from? Now, for this week's trivia challenge, I'm going to give you extra time, not because this is an incredibly challenging question, but with D23 Expo and travel coming up over the next couple weeks, I'm not exactly sure when I'm going to be able to post the next full show. So I'm going to give you until Friday, August 31st, 
to go to www.radio.com, click on this week's podcast, use the form there. Again, I'm going to play for all the digital products, the vinyl sticker, the pop socket, and the shirt. But don't worry about maybe not having a show on time next week because I am going to be creating lots of live content throughout the next week and actually almost two weeks from Disneyland as well as D23 Expo at www.radiolive.com. So be sure that you like the WW Radio page on Facebook as well as go to www.radio.com slash community. That's our Box People group. Turn on notifications in both locations so you don't miss a thing. I'm going to be sharing a lot of stuff from my time in Disneyland before Expo as well as all three days from the Expo floor. So good luck. I hope to see you in the box and have fun. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you so very much for taking the time to tune in this every week. Don't forget about our live show this Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern at WW Radio Live, where I'll be giving you my D23 Expo preview and prediction show. Again, that's this Wednesday, August 14th at www.radiolive.com. While you're there, be sure to join the community and conversations over on Facebook and our Facebook group at www.radiolive.com slash community. You can also connect with me elsewhere on social. I am at Lou Mangiello on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. Of course, you know, I'd love to hear from you. So if you have a question I'm going to answer on the show, you can email me, lou at www.radio.com or call the voicemail. Be heard on the air at 407-900-9391. I want to once again thank some of the new and longtime members of the WW Radio Nation family. I, again, really appreciate your love, your support, your friendship, and help as well as being able to give back to you each and every month. I want to thank some of the members of the Nation family, including Terry Whelan, Bob Ostrowski, Laura C. Brandon, Kathleen Reimer, Paige Wald, and Mickey Orlando. And if you'd like to find out how you can not only help the show and get exclusive rewards every month, including monthly scavenger hunts, access to our private Facebook group, custom Magic Band covers, where it's logo gear, t-shirts, monthly care packages from Walt Disney World, and exclusive live video group calls where you are on camera. We all talk together once a month as well. You also get early and special access to some WW Radio events. To find out more, visit www.radio.com support. And don't forget that a portion of your contribution does go to our Dream Team project to benefit the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America. And please don't forget, as much as I love connecting with you online, I still believe that nothing beats a handshake and a hug. It's why I continue to do monthly meetups in Walt Disney World. And as I travel to other parks, like we're doing this month, going out to D23 Expo. So our meet of the month is actually going to be in Disney California Adventure, Thursday, August 22nd at Flo's V8 Cafe. You knew it had to be around food. We're going to be there from 7.30 to 9 o'clock when the park closes. And in the outside seating area, across from Radiator Springs Racers. Again, it's the night before Expo starts, so if you're coming out for Expo or you're local to California, please come out on Thursday the 22nd. To find out more to RSVP, whether you come alone, bring the entire family, of course it's family friendly, visit our events page at www.radio.com slash events. You can also find out about upcoming WW Radio cruises. We still have three day one pricing cabins for our cruise out of New Orleans February 7th through the 14th 2020. We have other events coming up including some adventures by Disney as well. I also am going to be announcing some other meetups not in Walt Disney World but on the road as I travel to speak at conferences and schools. I'm going to be in London this November. Middle of the month I will have some dates and locations. We'll do some meetups there. 
And speaking of speaking, if I can come to speak to your event, your conference, your business, or your school, you can visit lumangelo.com to find out some of the different topics that I can talk about. Or I'd love to be able to help you individually with some one-on-one mentoring or small group coaching. And of course, this September 28th and 29th, I'm once again hosting my Momentum Weekend Workshop in Walt Disney World, built on inspiration, education, and community. It's unlike other conferences created for entrepreneurs because I want you and just 50 other like-minded entrepreneurs to learn and execute on what you learn right there in the room, meet others right away to help you take your idea, your brand, your business to the next level. So whether you are a blogger, a podcaster, a content creator, you have a product or even a brick and mortar store, we can help you. Stay tuned this week for our first round of speaker announcements. I I have already announced that Steve Schussler is our first keynote speaker. Steve, as you know, is the founder of The Boathouse, Rainforest Cafe, T-Rex Cafe and Yak and Yeti. Right now, the event is more than 60% sold out. Again, we only have 50 seats, but I have created a special discount code just for you, my friend. If you use promo code WDWRADIO100, you'll save $100 on your two-day event ticket. To find out more or if you have any questions, you can visit lumangelo.com and click on the Momentum tab. I want to thank again Mouse Fan Travel, my official and recommended travel provider, whether you own to World, Land, Cruise, or Adventures by Disney or anywhere on the planet. Becky Mankin and her incredible team of agents not only give you the best possible prices and all available discounts, more importantly, they give you an amazing level of personal service that is their hallmark, and it all comes at no cost to you. To find out more, get a free no-obligation quote, visit mousefantravel.com and visit celebrationspress.com to subscribe and order back issues to Celebrations Magazine. And as always, my friend, and you are my friend, whether we have met yet or not, all I ask is that if you like this show, and I hope that you do, Please help spread the word. Let others know about it. Invite them to to not only be listeners, but more importantly, be part of the community. So tweet out a link to this or your favorite episode or share it on your own Facebook profile or in your favorite Facebook group. And if you can, take 30 seconds, not even 30 seconds, to rate and review the show over on iTunes. It's incredibly helpful. I want to thank some recent reviewers like KDM, KD. Wait, KD McJeff, I think, says it's the best there is. I've been listening to Lou for over a year. Thank goodness you can listen to old episodes because I'm up to 321. I had the pleasure of meeting Lou a few months months back. I talk for a living, I swear. He's genuinely the guy you hear on the show. Nothing compares to WW Radio. I would break out in song and sing Nothing Compares to You, but I can't and I won't. Alice in Disney Mom says, for those who've asked where I found my Disney group or quote unquote, you belong to a clubhouse, it's Lou's podcast that started for me over a year ago. He began WW Radio in 2007 and I've listened eight out of 13 years of episodes. Wow. Just began in 2012. The food reviews, DSIs, top, not so much 10. Did I mention food reviews? Lou isn't a voice reading from a cue card. He's including each and every one that listens to an episode just as if you're there with them. I thought I knew so much about Disney and realized very quickly it was only from movies, songs, and the one book I have on Walt. Today, I can speak Disney. I've been introduced to so many people that I never thought would be friends, including one that lives only 20 minutes from me, and I'm able to spread my love of Disney to my own children, nieces, and nephews, and give them the inspiration to soar to their dreams. If you have an ounce of like for Disney, take a listen to this episode or any other episode, and who knows... You may just wake up your sleeping inner Disney nerds. Uh, Allison, Disney mom, and 
KD McJeff, thank you. And everybody else who left a review so very much. Again, just search for WW Radio on iTunes or go to www.radio.com slash iTunes. And I have instructions and a link on exactly how to do it. Finally, most importantly, thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart. I love and appreciate you. Yes, whether we've met yet or not, it is a privilege and a gift and a blessing to be able to take this thing that I love and share it with you in such an intimate medium and and way like this podcast. And that's why I want to try and continue to not only help you have a a great vacation or or bring some Disney to you if you're stuck at work or, or stuck in the car, but I also want to try and help you. I want you to live your best possible life any way that I can. Because if you're not happy doing what you do every single day, then maybe it's time to make a change. It doesn't matter how young or how old you are. It's never too late to start. Because as a wise woman once said, our fate lives within us. You only have to be brave enough to see it. And obviously it's Merida from Brave. She has a much better accent than I do but I very much believe in what she said and what she feels. And again, if I can help you somehow by working with you one-on-one or coming to Momentum or just let me know. I hope that this is your best week ever. So until next time, thank you. Love you. See ya. Hello, Lou Mangiello. It's Gabby Naldo from Columbia, Maryland. Just calling to wish you a happy, happy birthday. Um, I hope you this is your best year yet. And I'm so excited to see you. And I'll give you a birthday hug when we see you in like two weeks at D23 Expo. It's crazy to think that I think two weeks from now, or is it three weeks from now? Um, either way, that we'll be wrapping up our first full day of Expo. It's crazy to think how close it is. Um, but that's all for now. Happy birthday. See you soon. Bye. Hello, it's Matthew from Freeholden. Hi, everyone in the box just calling, heading out from uh, Orlando International Airport. Actually, stuck at International Orlando Airport. Like it's a message saying that I should not leave Disney World. Had a wonderful week. Some highs, some lows, but the best part was I got to be in Disney World. So it was good to be there. Looking forward to come back for the 50th and hope everyone's doing out there. Hope everyone has a magical day and talk to you soon. Hi there, Lou and Bob Peeps. It's Beatrice Dennis. Just wanted to call after I heard the show of the top 10 things that we missed about Disney World. I went back to my old pal Mickey and put some batteries in him. Oh, gosh. And I've been having tons of fun listening to his jokes, and he has all sorts of fun. He still does all sorts of things. Hiya, pal. So what do you want to do first? If you want to play a game... Just squeeze one of my hands and my tummy. So have some fun, and we'll talk to you real soon. Bye, pal. Hey, Lou. It's Christine Marson from Flower Town, PA. It's Tuesday morning. I'm making my rounds before I go to work, walking a doggy in Chestnut Hill, right outside uh, Center City, uh, Philadelphia. And I'm listening to the latest podcast. And I have to call in because I am freaking out. I am loving, loving this episode. I have become such a huge Marvel enthusiast, and I have a huge grin up my face. And I actually have the chills thinking about it. I love how you guys are um, reviewing all the movies. I'm learning so much about all these characters. Um, 
and I'm really getting excited, really excited about all these new movies coming out. Um, I forwarded the episode to my son. He's still sleeping, of course. But uh, I said, you have got to listen to this episode. I'm totally geeking out on Marvel, and I'm so excited, and you're going to love it. So hopefully he'll listen to it. They all think that um, I'm a dork, but that's okay. I'm a Disney dork, and now I'm a Marvel dork. So everybody have a great week. It's Tuesday, but it's an awesome day here in Pennsylvania. And uh, make somebody smile. I'll see you guys tomorrow night in the box. Bye-bye. It's Darlene Nagy from formerly West Seneca, New York, calling in now from Davenport, Florida. And I wanted to say hello to Lou, my new neighbor, and to all of the box family and nation family and everyone that listens thank you so much for all of your love and support and we have countdowns coming up for a couple weeks for d23 that everybody's going to we have japan coming up in oh my goodness gracious a couple months we have the new orleans coming up next february we have Epcot, the Flower and Garden coming up, uh, or Flower and, uh, not Flower and Garden, Epcot Forever. Oh, my goodness, I'm thinking Flower and Garden already because of February and that, but it's Wine and Dine time, which is, well, of course, one of my favorite times, but that's October 1st. There's Momentum coming up the 28th and 29th of September, and I hope that I see some of you in the parks now that I'm down here when I go. So, just always look for me, love, hugs, and always think positive. Great show tonight with Dave. Oh, that was amazing. Um, thanks for sharing. Thanks for all you do, Lou. Bye. See you all real soon.